This is Out of Office for July 2014, Cloud Computing for Out of Office Collaboration. Welcome to the Out of Office Podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm great. Thanks, Gihan. I've just come back from a working holiday to Queensland, so yeah, feeling refreshed. How about you? I know you've uh, passed a a landmark birthday. Yes, I feel a year older since yesterday. Right, just in one day. And you had a pretty good holiday, didn't you? I saw some nice photos of you and the family out uh, doing War of the Worlds with Dreamworld and SeaWorld (laughs) and all of those things. Yes, various torture devices on the Gold Coast. Yeah, fantastic. How was it? It's been a while since I've been there. It was good fun. We did. Uh, we had a great time. It was a really good week. Okay, and it was completely holiday, or did you do some work as well? Yeah, the first week was in Brisbane, so I caught up with my business partner and our employee. We spent a week working together, so I was working in the office, or in their office, um, so that was the first week, and then the Gold Coast the second week. Ah, oh, great, great, okay. And uh, it's great because today we're going to be talking about collaboration, and we're talking about collaboration for out-of-office workers. And uh, not everyone gets a chance to have those in-person meetings uh, as if you're an out-of-office worker, certainly not very often. So today we're going to be talking about how to use a cloud for collaborating as an out-of-office worker. And cloud computing is a general topic, and it's a, it's a big and growing area. Uh, I saw some stats, and we'll link to these in the show notes. Um, I saw some stats saying that it's uh, it's growing very, very fast. It's expected to grow from, well, from a few years ago where it was $46 billion in cloud computing to $150 billion by the end of this year. So that's a threefold growth in just a few years. And now it's it's the norm rather than, accept, than the exception, particularly in many uh, organizations who allow out-of-office work. And for out-of-office work, it actually makes out-of-office work more attractive because you can use a cloud for your own personal documents, but also for collaboration, as we're going to talk about. One of the other really the interesting things I saw about the whole idea of cloud computing is that uh, one prediction is that by 2016, the Asia-Pacific region, which is ours, will be the biggest users of cloud computing, um, even bigger than North America, which is currently number one, but that will drop to number two. So because of that, uh, we thought we'd do an episode about how to use the cloud for out-of-office workers, particularly for collaboration. And I guess to start off with, we should say that there are two kinds of cloud. And uh, sometimes some people don't make the distinction between them, but we can based on how we use them. So first of all, there's the idea of a personal cloud, and you know this if you are an Apple user and you're using the iCloud for your uh, phone, for your iPhone, your iPad, and your Apple Mac, you can store files in there uh, on one device and have them accessible on all the other devices. Um, same is true if you're using uh, Android and uh, you're particularly a Google user or using something like Dropbox, where you can just share your documents and your files across multiple devices. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the second kind of the cloud, which we're going to call the shared cloud, which is where you share documents and files and a number of other things, uh, not just for, not just for yourself, but you share them with other people, and it allows you to collaborate. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, they came across a survey from the Endurance International Group, and they surveyed over 400 um, small businesses, or what they call VSBs, very small businesses, about the use of the their use of the cloud. And one of the things that it, uh, it showed was that 
Although lots of people are using the, the personal cloud, not many of them are using the cloud for collaboration. Um, so in today's episode, let's fix that. So let's specifically look at how out-of-office workers and the organizations that they work for can use the cloud for better collaboration. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's timely because, as you mentioned, there is this personal cloud, and that's where all of the action is at the moment. So most of the content that's being stored in the cloud are things like uh, your photos, your videos, and music, and you're not sharing them with anyone. They're just for you to access them from various devices from your personal cloud. Um, what we're interested today is in, in today is how we can collaborate with others. So let's move on to something like business documents. Yeah, that's right. And so the way we've structured this is we've roughly grouped these uh, in each of these areas. We're going to talk about some simple tools that you can use and some more advanced tools that you can use. So if you're just getting started, uh, just use the simple ones. But um, we hope that'll be a stepping stone to using some of the more sophisticated ones. So if you're talking about business documents, as you said, Chris, the first one is one that I've already mentioned, which is Dropbox. And Dropbox gives you a hard disk on the internet. That's the simplest way, simplest way of thinking about it. And for uh, the for most users, you're using Dropbox, uh, as I said, as part of your personal cloud. Uh, Dropbox has always had a feature where you can have a public folder um, where you can have links that are public and you can share documents publicly. But recently, they've uh, enhanced that facility. So any document that you've got in your Dropbox folder, you can share a public link to it. And it's, an, it's kind of like a an obscure link so that nobody else can guess what it is. But you can share any link to any document with anyone else. And that's really great for people, to, uh, for you to share a document for people to open and download. It doesn't mean that they can edit it, uh, Dropbox does have a folder for that where you can share an entire folder with another Dropbox user and in, in effect you're both then sharing the same folder. And this has a, this has a drawback in that anyone can edit documents in there and anyone can delete them and there have been stories of people trying to clean up their hard disk and they delete everything in their Dropbox folder not realizing that they're deleting it on everyone else's computer as well um, so that is one of the risks but if, you, if everyone knows the rules that's, that can work quite well and there is a Dropbox has an advanced feature called Dropbox for Business that lets you get around that and gives you better control of those folders and those documents that you share yeah so speaking of those kinds of advanced features Gihan uh, there's tools like filesanywhere.com, which provides that kind of more sophisticated control over uh, the things that you share, more sophisticated than what you get with the vanilla Dropbox account. So it gives you better ways of viewing the folders that you're sharing with others, as well as better control and protection of the content that you're sharing. So it's uh, if you haven't signed up for Dropbox for Business, do you have a, a business subscription for Dropbox? You're just using the standard version. No, I'm using the standard one. I'm just paid right. for a um, for more disk space, but in effect, that's all it gives me. It doesn't give me those extra features. Okay, so if like Gihan, you haven't got Dropbox. Dropbox for business, then things like Files Anywhere give you the same sorts of improved uh, controls over the files that you're sharing. Another thing you might consider doing when you're collaborating on business documents is sending uh, files to other people. Um, this is probably an inferior choice over maintaining a single copy of the documents in the cloud, so staying with the cloud storage system. Uh, it's probably better to do that than send files to other people, but you might need to do that. There might be team members who can't share uh, the cloud copy, so there are lots of online tools for doing that. Um, one of the tools that does that is Hightail.com. So it covers both bases. So it, as well as providing a copy in the cloud that you can collaborate on with others, it also has uh, 
controls and tools for uh, sending files to other people. One of the other tools for sharing or collaborating on business documents that I get a great deal of value out of is Google Docs. So as well as providing a cloud storage system for your business documents, it also provides the tools for creating and editing those documents. So members of your team can all work on the same documents that are stored in Google Docs. And it also has some useful features like maintaining the edit history, the revision history, so you can see which changes have been made, when they were made, and by whom they were made, and you can revert those changes if you want to undo them. And you can also annotate your documents with comments, so you can leave a comment for other members of your team, say, asking them to add a bit more detail or querying uh, why they've added a particular bit of content. So that's a useful way of team members communicating with each other when they're collaborating on a document. Yes, exactly what we use for our podcast. Uh, Every time we put an episode together, you create a document in Google Docs, or it's now Google Drive, but it's the same thing, and we both work on that together. And by the time we come to the date of the podcast, we've both created the content that we want to talk about in, even if it's just in bullet point form, at least it gives us a structure for 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 the podcast episode. Yeah, we get huge amounts of value from it, don't we, Gia? Yeah, Absolutely. And so Microsoft have recognized that and they followed suit. So uh, Google Docs offers the kinds of tools that you're probably familiar with from Microsoft Office, a word processor, a spreadsheet, a presentation tool. Uh, So Microsoft have uh, set up a thing called OneDrive. I think it used to be called SkyDrive. So OneDrive is Microsoft's um, cloud storage system for your business documents. And that serves as a cloud storage backend for your, your Microsoft Office tools, which are called Office 365 in their current version. So you can use Office 365 and you can collaborate with your team members in the cloud using Microsoft's OneDrive system. So it's a Microsoft equivalent of Google Drive or Google Docs. Um, it's just part of the Microsoft ecosystem. So you need to be using Windows and Microsoft tools if you want to, if you want to stick with the, the Microsoft tools, which obviously are a bit more sophisticated than, uh, than the Google Drive tools. Yeah, great. Okay, so look, the, the next area is kind of closely related to this one. So we've called the, like the first one we t- spoke about was business documents. The next one is notes and research. And I guess there's a little bit of overlap. Like, for example, that whole idea of Google Drive or the, the Microsoft OneDrive, where you work on a document together, you can use that for notes and research. And we've just separated them because there are a couple of other specialized tools that you might use. Um, for example, a lot of people use Evernote uh, for keeping notes. And again, mostly it's for their personal cloud, so you can share it among all your devices. So it's not usually considered for collaboration. But again, with Evernote, you can choose to share your individual notes or your notebooks with other people. Um, and you can do this selectively, so it's not sharing everything. And as with Dropbox, there is an Evernote for business that gives you more control over sharing. So if you are already an Evernote user and you want to collaborate and share your notes with others, just have a look at those features because not many people know about them, but they can be quite useful for that purpose. And if you want to move on to more advanced ways of storing your notes and uh, the content of your research, you could consider setting up a wiki. So we're probably familiar with the most well-known wiki is Wikipedia, but you can do this yourself. You can have your own wikis. You can have them either hosted on your intranet, and uh, that's what I do with one of my clients, or there are services online. There are cloud services uh, for setting up your own private wikis. I think, Gihan, you use one called editme.com for your first step staff. Yeah, exactly. So editme.com is our own internal support and procedures manual, and uh 
it was something that, first of all, I used to just create it myself, and I would be the only one editing it. But now that I've got support staff who manage uh, manage clients, so what they will do is if something changes with the client or with the support procedure, they can go in and update it themselves, which means that uh, it is it is a truly collaborative document or manual now. Right, right. And that's pretty much the way that we use wikis at work as well. It's really good for documenting processes for supporting applications and uh, and users. Mm. Uh, another way of um, collecting research and uh, and and um, annotating it is using online forums. So I use online forums as part of my technical research a lot. Uh, it's less structured than a wiki. You've got to wade through threads of conversations uh, devoted to particular topics. Um, but it's a really useful way of asking questions and finding out answers to similar questions that people might have asked in the past. You might also like to set up your own um, internal or private uh, online forum. And if you want to do that, then both Google and Yahoo have Google Groups and Yahoo Groups where you can do this. So you can have a special group devoted to a particular subject area and you can control who's subscribed to those groups. So if you just want to have members of your team in those groups, then that's what you can do with those services. And in some cases, if you want to uh, mirror or back those online forums with a mailing list, then that's possible as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's looking at documents and notes and research. Um, the next area we'll look at is calendars so that you can schedule meetings. Yeah, this is a big part of collaboration, obviously. You need to get together occasionally and discuss the work that you're collaborating on. So the simplest steps you can do is if you're using something like uh, Google's Calendar or Outlook from Microsoft, then you can share that online. So Google Calendar is an online service, but you can also share it with other people, make it visible to uh, other members of your team so they can see when you're available and schedule meetings accordingly. Um, You want to make sure that uh, you control the way that people access your calendar. You don't want uh, them to be able to delete and move meetings uh, without your without your control. So you just want them to be able to view it. Uh, with Outlook, again, you can also control whether people can, uh, who can see it and, uh, and not share it on the public internet. The other thing that I find a bit awkward with my calendaring is that I use both Outlook and Google. I have uh, um, Google for my personal calendar, for my personal appointments, and Outlook for my work calendar that I share with my work colleagues. So there are tools for synchronizing those two so that you have all of your events uh, viewable in a single calendar. It makes uh, uh, scheduling a lot easier, making it, uh, avoiding clashing appointments much easier. So there's a thing called Google Sync, I think it's called, or Calendar Sync, and mm-hmm. that's what I use to synchronize my Google and Outlook calendars. Yeah, and I used to use the same thing, Chris, when I was using Outlook and I wanted to synchronize it with my Gmail calendar. That's exactly what I did on my Google calendar. And all of this talk of synchronizing calendars is is really useful and most effective for people who are working within a team. And it may be a virtual team and remote team with some out-of-office workers, but it's generally a close-knit team. The other the other time that you want to synchronize or share calendars is when you're working with outsiders. So there might be clients or there might be joint venture partners or other people like that who need to make appointments. And they don't generally want to share your calendar or you don't want to share your calendar with them or vice versa. But you want to have some sort of scheduling system uh, available in place. So for, uh, there's... there's there's a number of options for this. So a couple that I've used for online scheduling, one of them is called TimeBridge. So TimeBridge.com is where you want to set up a meeting with people 
And rather than you having access to the calendar, you say, here are five possible times that we could meet. And it, it sends out an email to everybody else who's invited to the meeting, and they can choose which times they're available. They can say which one they prefer. And then you hope that all the stars are aligned and everyone's going to be available at, at least one time, and then you pick that one. Um, another one that I found quite useful is uh, it's got a similar purpose. It's called Need to Meet. So needtomeet.com is a very simple tool where instead of you picking five options, you basically mark on the calendar what times you're available and then so you can be more you can be more flexible. You can provide all the times that you're available and other people then again go in and do the same thing. They tick the times that they're available and then you have a look and coordinate one that's suitable for everybody. And I find that's really handy. So um if you want to set up a meeting with a number of people rather than having these emails going back and forth, then you can use one of these tools, either TimeBridge or Need to Meet. Um, so that's really useful for just setting up in uh, like one-off ad hoc meetings. If you're an organization or you're a person who needs to set up a lot of appointments, so you're a hairdresser or you run some sporting courts or you're a business coach or consultant and you've, and your, your day is organized around meetings and appointments, then you might want to look for something more sophisticated. And um, if you're doing it Infrequently, that need to meet can work for that as well. So, for example, when I was traveling to Sydney last month, I set up a number of meetings and I set up this need to meet calendar showing my availability. Um, I let people pick times when they're available and then I'd mark them off so then they're no longer available. Um, it was okay. It was, it worked quite nicely because people could see what time slots were still left. It was a little bit of manual work for me because I had to go in and um, manually mark off times after people, after the time slots were taken. So if you're going to do it a lot, you don't want to have that manual work. So you want some sort of online appointment software. And there are a number of them. One of them that I've uh, seen and used and recommended to clients is called BookFresh. So bookfresh.com uh, lets clients book appointments and uh, they, they pick the time, they, they book that time, and then it gets marked off the calendar as being booked. Uh, it's got a number of other features as well, like it'll send, you can set it up to send reminders before the appointment and um, send SMS reminders and various other things. And these are really easy tools to use and they're, they're free or most of them are freemium, which means that they're free for the basic version, and then you pay a little bit of money, generally a monthly fee for the advanced versions. Very good. So having your address book in your personal cloud is a very convenient thing to do. Having it in your shared cloud means that you can collaborate with others in your team. So some of the simple things that you can do is if you're using uh, Google Mail, then your Google Contacts list can be shared with other people in your organization. So if you're using um, Google Apps, then people, if that's supporting your domain name, then you can use the delegation feature to share your contacts with others. Similarly, if you're using Outlook, then through Microsoft Exchange, you can make your contacts lists available to other people in your organization. Yes, and again, uh, this exactly the same as with the calendar. Those sort of things you've just mentioned, Chris, where you're just sharing your contacts list or your address book is probably something you might do if you're in a small team and they, they want occasional access to it. If you're doing this on a more sophisticated level where you've got 
you know, you may have a sales team and they all want access to the client database. Um, it's going to be more than just sharing an address book. So then you'd look at uh, some sort of CRM system. And those are the sort of things which used to cost a lot of money and used to be only available to large organizations. But now there are a number of tools available which are very cost effective and they're in the cloud as well. So there were some old systems like ACT, which were basically run off your server, which meant that you could run um, a CRM locally, but it made it difficult for you to delegate that to other people, delegate some of the work. But now there are some cloud-based systems. Uh, probably a simple one to start with is Solve360, so solve360.com. Um, and if you want to go to the more advanced version, then one that's really well known is salesforce.com. And uh, those are very sophisticated systems for managing, well, we, we're calling this managing your address book, but it's really managing your whole database of contacts and um you, know, you can group them in different categories you keep you keep records of all your all your interactions with them absolutely okay now email is a, a vital tool for collaboration and again if it's in your personal cloud then you can access it from anywhere but if you've got it in a shared cloud then people in your team or people in your organization can collaborate with you more easily so for gmail users like me then you can grant access up to 10 other people to your Gmail, your your mail that's on the server. If you're using Google's apps service, the paid-for service, then that increases, that number increases to 25 people. And similarly, just like sharing your calendar in Outlook, it's also possible to share your mail folders uh, with other people that are on the same Exchange server in Outlook. Yeah, look, the, the advanced tools. I remember uh, we were talking about collaborating on this document, Chris, and uh, I wrote some notes about this, and I said I made a note saying, you know, are there any advanced tools for collaborating with email? And you, tongue in cheek, said, <laughs> what about what about Google Wave? And Google Wave is one of those products that Google launched and then killed off. Actually, killed off pretty quickly, mm. but it was supposed to replace email. So it's this online collaboration communication tool that was supposed to replace email because email is very clunky for collaboration. Um, as you've said, you can share your email with other people, but if you're using email to have discussions or organize meetings, it, it is quite clunky for that. Um, but you know, you mentioned Google Wave reminded me that uh, one of my clients, Citrix, has a product called Podio, P-O-D-I-O, that does similar things to Google Wave. Um, and I was talking to, um, when I was in Sydney, one of the meetings I had was, was with my uh, with my Citrix colleague there, or my Citrix client, and he mentioned that uh, internally within Citrix, they use Podio for everything. And the, the idea is that you should never use email again. Uh, except maybe externally, but you should never use it internally. And he said that they're using it. It's a challenge to get people weaned off using email, uh, but Podio is a tool that will allow you to do the sort of collaborative stuff that you would do using email, but using another online tool. Um, so have a look at that. So it's a tool called Podio, P-O-D-I-O. And again, it's, it has a number of different levels. It's a paid service, but it has a number of different levels depending on the size of your organization and the features that you want to use. Okay. 
And I know, Gihan, that uh, you maintain some mailing lists. Did you want to talk about uh, collaboration with mailing lists? Oh, yeah. Look, the other thing is if you're doing things like email newsletters and you're using a tool like MailChimp, then you can give other people access to your MailChimp account. Um, it's not it's not, every, not something that every out-of-office worker will use and not every organization will use. And even if they do, it doesn't mean that the out-of-office workers are the ones who are using it. But it is possible if you're using a cloud-based email newsletter tool like MailChimp, then um, you can give other people access to it, which is, again, the, the basic uh, benefit of doing your collaboration in the cloud. Yeah, okay. Okay, so the other one is like um, online online meetings, so tools for actually doing collaboration. And uh, we, we talk about in the out-of-office book and in our general discussion, we talk about uh, immediate versus deferred communication tools. So immediate is where everybody has to be there in the same place at the same time. So not the same place, but uh, certainly the same time. And deferred is where you start a communication and somebody else can respond sometime later. So in the immediate communication area, the obvious thing is meetings. And when we're talking about out of office, we're talking about online meetings. There are many tools that you can use for collaborating online. And the, the basic ones are Skype and Google Hangout. And uh, I've used both of them. So Skype and Google Hangout are both they're, they're good for both the audio and video. And then again, the Citrix Citrix suite of tools. They've got GoToMeeting for online meetings, GoToWebinar for presentation type meetings, and GoToTraining for actually running training online. Um, and then there, there are many others as well. Uh, Citrix isn't the only company that does them. There are uh, WebEx and uh, there's this MS Link tool as well, Chris, which I'm not familiar with, but you might be. Yeah, so that's Microsoft's offering in that space, and it allows you to do things like teleconferences, audio conferences. You can do screen sharing and um, texting, and it's just a, an integrated solution to provide those kinds of immediate communications. Yeah, great, great. And the other thing that goes along with that is that the tools that I mentioned and that we mentioned are specifically to actually run the online meeting itself. Um, but there are other things that support it. So apart from recording, and recording is built into like the Citrix tools and with Skype and Google Hangout, uh, with Google Hangout, it's, you can have it recorded direct to YouTube and with Skype you can get free plugins or low cost plugins to do the recording but there are other things that support the meetings like you can have uh, collaborative mind maps so you can have during the meeting people can be working on a mind map together and there are a number of mind mapping tools one that I've used is called Bubble B-U-B-B-L dot U-S um, where people can work together on a mind map at the same time you can have a shared bulletin board so it's less structured than a mind map but people can just put notes up on the bulletin board which everybody can see in real time and one that I've used uh, used to be called Wallwisher but now it's been renamed as Padlet P-A-D-L-E-T and there are other tools as well like live chat tools which allow you to have a chat window going on during your online meeting Great. So that's immediate communication. When it comes to deferred communication, then there's uh, venerable email, of course. We've also mentioned online forums, so you can ask questions and someone might come along at a later stage and provide some feedback or answers. And the kinds of bulletin boards that you mentioned can also be used in a deferred way. Something that I've seen used recently is uh, Yammer. So it's a bit like a private Facebook group. So it's aimed at businesses that want an online forum where their distributed teams can discuss and share project work. So you can ask questions, you can post links to work that you've done, you can upload images and other content. So it's very much like the sort of interface. It looks a lot like Facebook, but it's more of a closed 
a closed group that's aimed at a team working collaboratively collaboratively on something. <laughs> yeah, and since you mentioned that, Chris, the other thing that just came to mind is another tool that you can use is Ning. So yeah. Ning.com, uh, I use that for my membership site, and it is like setting up a private version of Facebook. Um, you wouldn't necessarily do it for individual projects, but you might do it if you've got a team working together on a project for, for a long time. Mm, great. Okay, and the last area... Uh, it's kind of like a miscellaneous area. It's a miscellaneous like project management. Um, we're broadly calling this productivity tools. Uh, and there are online productivity tools now, so project management tools. The, the most, uh, probably the most popular one, certainly the most trending one, is a tool called Basecamp, which is from a company called 37 Signals. In fact, I think they've changed their company name from 37 Signals to Basecamp because that is their one that, that is their leading product. And Basecamp is online project management software. So you can set up a project, you can um, have a number of people assigned to it, and you have the, the typical things that you have, milestones and accountability, but it also has the ability for you to share documents, to edit documents collaboratively, to upload documents into shared workspace, all the sort of things that you'd want to do if you're running a project together with a team. Yeah, so the ones that I'm familiar with, Gihan, are more focused on software development. So they're tools like Jira, Track, and Bugzilla, and they're basically ticketing systems where users can report errors and then engineers can respond and hopefully solve those errors. But I think there are lots of similar tools, these ticket systems for customer support that aren't necessarily software development focused. They're also focused on customer support for all kinds of services and products. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris, that there's online help desk systems where you uh, post a support ticket, you get back a, an email confirmation with a reference number attached to it. And then, you know, if, they, if they're doing their job right, if the team's doing the job right, then that issue gets resolved. And it actually allows different team members to to work together on the same item without having to go back to the customer and you know, get all the details over and over again from the customer because they're all stored in that in that online system. Um, I think I think that's mixed. I've I've had mixed results as a customer. Uh, some people use that system really well, and there's you know the providers actually making use of that. I've had others where. Yeah, the information's there, and uh, yet it seems like I'm working with three different customer service reps, and they all uh, keep asking me the same questions instead of going back to the online system where it's, where it's supposedly all stored for them. Right, yeah, it's supposed to avoid precisely that problem. Exactly. Mm. Yes. Well, you can only you can only write the tools. It doesn't necessarily make, mean people make good use of them. Speaking of which, let's wrap things up, Gihan. So we've talked about various ways that you can use cloud tools for online collaboration. So if, you, if you're not doing any of this sort of thing, then we've given you some simple introductory tools that you can make use of. And if you are already doing some of those simple things, then you can perhaps consider making use of some of the more advanced techniques and tools that we've spoken about. But I think the important thing is that the barrier to entry is really low. Uh, most of your competitors will probably be using some, if not all, of these kinds of things. And if you don't start, start doing so, then you're missing out. Yeah, and I think the thing I'd add to that, Chris, is that many people look at out-of-office work as being out of sight, out of mind. So you might let somebody 
in your organization go and work from home for two days a week or maybe full-time telecommuter like you are, Chris. And you look at that as, okay, well, they're living on the other side of the world, which is the case with you and the people that you work with. And you go, okay, well, they're living on the other side of the world. We'll give them a task to do. They'll go away and do it and they'll send it back and then generally use email or maybe a little bit of chat to, to collaborate. And you may not be thinking of integrating them fully as a team member um, as a full team member and some of these online collaboration tools do allow you to do that and as you said Chris the, your competition is probably doing it so if you're not you're not only missing out on an opportunity but you're taking a big risk because uh, out of office work shouldn't just be a case of doing it because the employees want it and it's a little bit of a perk of the employment it shouldn't you shouldn't lose anything by doing that. And some of these tools will allow you to have a fully functional virtual and remote team and certainly the way that the world's going. Absolutely, Gihan. So we've provided a lot of uh, tools and we'll have links to them in the notes for this particular podcast episode. You can find that in the blog that we have at our website, which is outofofficebook.com, as well as the blog where you can see previous episodes of this podcast and various other articles that we've written. You can buy the Out of Office book. We've got links to all kinds of online bookstores where the ebook for Out of Office book is available. Yeah, great. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed talking about collaboration because I think it's a, it is really a growing topic and um, I'm glad that we can provide some practical tools that people can use. Yes, and uh, I did too. And we'll be back in about a month's time, Gihan, talking about another topic that our out-of-office workers hopefully will get great value from. Yep, great. Bye for now. Thanks, Gihan. Bye. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.